Welcome everyone, I'm Kay Walker, and this is Our Empowered Voices, the Sandpoint Series. A little bit about me, I'm an empowerment coach, a mom, a grandmom, a friend, and a community member. I live in my childhood home in the town I was born and raised in, Sandpoint. And I've been hither and yon, and I always seem to come back home. For a while, I've been developing a podcast called Our Empowered Voices with my coaching partner, Sandy Evenson. And we talk to women about their stories, about how they got to where they are, and how these women now hold the space for others to be empowered, supported, and know and actualize their dreams and desires. This series is all about that same empowerment And it's with the women in my local community who I get to live and work with face to face. I see them in Toastmasters at the library, the Saturday market. They're my friends and heroes. And I love their compassion, their smiles, and all they do to empower themselves as well as those around them. This is the first episode in this series. And I'm excited to chat with my friend Kendra, Kendra Adams. We talked about where she came from, how she grew up, how she's developed into a woman walking in her own power, clear, humble, and strong, and how she shows up with her family, and how that love and authenticity, it it impacts and ripples out from the community and beyond. It It was so fun for Kendra and me to chat and share with you a snapshot of her life, ordinary, and fully extraordinary. All right, everyone, welcome. Welcome to our Empowered Voices. This is Kay Walker, and you know what? Today I have with me Kendra Adams. Kendra is in my community. This is, I think this is part of one of my Sandpoint series podcasts. So, Kendra's with me. She lives in my community. We live in Sandpoint, Idaho. Mm-hmm. And it's so good to have you, Kendra. Welcome. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you, Kay. It's so good to be here with you. Thank you for having me. Of course. You know, I've known Kendra for a few years now. And we started out, we met in our local Toastmasters club. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that was fun. And Kendra gave a lot of speeches. She talked about baking. Kendra makes cookies and sells them at the farmer's market. And that's so fun. And she gave a demonstration at Toastmasters about that. Yeah. And she's given speeches. She's given a lot of speeches. They're heartwarming. They're vulnerable. They talk about her family, her relationships. And the pros and cons of her being right. (laughs) And what she learned from that. That was so fun, Kendra. So again, welcome. Thank you. So how about if we start with where you are right now? Like where you're living. So so a little bit about you living out of town. Mm -hmm. And a little bit about your family, your husband, the kids, Mm -hmm. and your dogs. Mm-hmm. Just kind of like a little snapshot of our life. Yeah. 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 Well, we are living in the Selly Valley, just 
it's part it's in Sandpoint, but it's it's located between two two ranges of mountains. Right. So the Selkirk and the Cabinet Mountains. And it's just this beautiful valley. And I don't know how we ended up there besides just God's providence, knowing it's what we needed. We moved here about three and a half years ago in a season where we just needed space as a family. We needed space to heal from from some things that had been part of our previous season of life. Mm-hmm. We needed space. The kids needed space to run. At the time we moved here, they were five and three. So, you know, they just needed space to run around. Yeah, yeah. And my husband and I needed space to sort of figure out our autonomous family unit mm-hmm. apart from our parents and and we just needed some space to do that and and I needed space just to be able to walk out my front door and take a walk and connect with God and find myself and I didn't really know I needed all that space, uh-huh. that we needed those uh-huh. spaces <laughs> until we settled into this property. And I just love the setting of it. There's boundaries, you know, there's physical boundaries, mountains on both sides of us. Mm-hmm. And then our property is situated such that there's trees mm-hmm. around us, but we have this nice meadow or field right outside of our backyard, you know, right? That's what we look out onto. So it feels like there's space to breathe, but there's protection. Mm-hmm. And I realize living there, in that physical space on the earth, that's what my soul needed to. And again, it's something I didn't even realize I needed until I've gotten to experience mm-hmm. that. And I think it it's true for all of us. There's seasons where we need a physical place on the earth that represents the nourishment our soul needs. And that's just, it's been special. So on our little 10 acre plot there in the Selly Valley, uh, I have my husband, Tyson. We've been married 13 years. Mm, Wow. Um, Wait, 2010. It'll be 13. It'll be 13. (laughs) You start to lose track. I know. 12 and a half, 12 and a half. Okay. And our two kids, Peter and Piper. Uh-huh. Peter just turned nine. Wow. Piper is seven. I know. Mm. And yeah. they are, they get confused for twins all the time because they're just, they their connection, their bond is so tight uh-huh. that they just, they complete each other's sentences. And it's just fun to see their relationship because I didn't have close siblings. All my brothers are much younger. So to okay, watch their okay. dynamic is really fun. Yeah, yeah. And then, yeah, we do have some animals. We have not ventured into the farm animals just because uh, that's not something I was raised with, you know, uh-huh. having cows and sheep and goats. And I, I, it, We do have chickens. Oh, you do have we chickens. We do have chickens because we thought, okay, we could start there. The chicks, you know, they're uh-huh. always so cute at North 40 every spring. You can't resist them. Right. And so we do have those, and it's wonderful to have the fresh eggs. But we've lost a couple mm. chickens this year to the dogs. <laughs> so, oh. 
When okay. we we had we got a dog when we first moved here from our local animal shelter. Uh-huh. And he's been just a precious gem. He's a sweet dog. We don't know what he is. We think he's like a boxer pit bull type mix, but uh-huh. he's just so loyal to the family. And he's got his quirks too, but he he likes to sing. Oh, he, he does. That's what I call it. Absolutely. I don't know what it is exactly. Yeah. But anytime he hears like a the tone of a cello, for example, that that tone. Okay. It resonates for him and he starts singing along. Oh my gosh. And like this deep, just bellowing through the air kind of howl uh-huh. that he does with the cello or anything that is kind of that rich tone. So he's got his quirks, but he's a fun dog. God, but then just fun. just a few months ago, my daughter and I were at the Safeway parking lot. Mm-hmm. We were picking up some things, and we ran into some friends from church who desperately were trying to get rid of a dog. They had this litter of Labradoodles that was a bit of a surprise. They weren't quite ready to, uh-huh. to nurture all these puppies, so they were looking for homes. So Piper and I went to Safeway you know, for one reason, but we came home with a puppy. Oh, my gosh. Because how do you resist? I how do you say no I, to a Labradoodle puppy? When, when you have a young child with you. Yeah, oh, exactly. As well. Yeah. There is no saying no. Yeah. Yeah. And everything, it, all reason said to say no, but I couldn't, you know. It's this Labradoodle, Labr- mm-hmm. Labradoodle puppy, so mm-hmm. cute, and he just looks so pathetic, like, please... Take me home. So we did. And now we have two dogs. Sunny. Sunny is our Labradoodle. Okay. Um, And he he is very good looking. Yeah. uh, But lacks a lot of common sense. He's not coordinated. And he runs into things, falls over, just lacks kind of your basic coordination. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Oh my gosh, Kendra. Well, it sounds like this is the perfect place for him because there's space <laughs> there's to grow. There's space to grow. He needed some space too. <laughs> he did. He did. So oh, it's, wow. you know, they provide some good entertainment for yeah, us. Yeah. That's and then we do have two cats as well. My son, Peter, is, he loves cats. Unfortunately, we're all slightly allergic to them, so okay. they can't be indoor. Oh. But okay. they're good mousers. Yeah. And... My son just adores them. Oh. Yeah. Tries to bring them in the house. Uh-huh. It's like, oh, no, buddy. Yeah, yeah. Can't we, have that. We got some boundaries here. Yeah. 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 Oh, wow. So that that's fabulous. Those are the residents of our property Okay. At this time. What a picture. Yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful picture. Okay, so, so with the kids... One of the things that you started doing was homeschooling. Mm-hmm. So, so right now we're at the end of summer. Mm-hmm. School is school's going to start soon. So, I wondered if you could talk a little bit about that, mm-hmm. about homeschooling. Mm-hmm. And what I want to know is, what was that seed mm-hmm. to to start homeschooling? Because they because they went to mm-hmm. elementary school. Yeah. yeah. Uh, before that, yeah, and then what was your and maybe this is a redundant question, but what was, what was that calling in you mm-hmm. to do homeschooling? Mm-hmm. And then I got some more questions, but sure. let's go with that. Yeah, 
great question, and I love talking about this because it was just a such a pivot point for me. So yeah, my kids were going to Northside Elementary. Like as far as a public school experience goes, you couldn't have a better one. Northside mm-hmm. is just tucked in the Selly Valley mm-hmm. there. Cutest little country school. One class per grade. Just I, I was working as a substitute okay. and teacher's aide while they were going there. And I loved being there. It was just a wonderful experience. Mm-hmm. So homeschooling was not something on my radar. And in fact, if, if anything, it was like I veered away, thought I will never do that uh-huh. for a number of reasons. One, because the era I grew up in, in the you know 80s, 90s, when I was a kid, homeschoolers were the the weird kids you know know, they were just the socially awkward like oh one of these just doesn't belong and in social settings and and it just seemed weird like what are they just they just never leave home and they what are they learning what I I just didn't know about it and so you draw your own conclusions Mm -hmm. but that was just my my naivety not knowing much about it sure yeah um but also just thinking that takes a special kind of mom you know to be able to one be with your children all day long Mm -hmm. that takes a patience I just thought oh I I just Mm -hmm. I need space I need some time to myself you know (laughs) and also like how do you teach your kids everything they learn in school I don't I'm not a teacher I barely remember half what I learned how am I supposed to I just thought I I I lack the the countenance and I lack the skill and education and all of that to provide what my kids need so it was just not on the table but then when we moved to Sandpoint there was just such a vibrant homeschool community most families at our church homeschool and just meeting different people that homeschool I began to see oh this is more there's more to this than I previously understood mm-hmm. like these are these are really beautiful families doing this living this way and so you know my heart kind of opened up to what it could be yeah but still just thought again being someone who who needs time in my day to myself to kind of process life yes I'm a I'm a internal processor and just need to kind of distance myself from all the people who I love to be with in order to to find myself mm-hmm. so I just thought you know I, I don't see how that's possible but there were a sequence of events that started to play out as my kids did start school and were there and um heading off to school every day a couple of things that started to just catch my attention one being uh how quickly even though my kids were in kindergarten and first grade at the time the days the weeks the year flew by so fast and it started to catch my attention like whoa this is just the beginning and it's already going so fast Mm -hmm. and my time with them throughout the day is so limited I guess I had envisioned 
having more time with my kids to in a day to have meaningful conversation, yeah. to have those heart to heart conversations, to um, to to disciple them, to to teach them the really meaningful things that are that have been formative for me. Mm-hmm. And I was finding just with with our schedule, you know, get up get them ready, get them breakfast, get them on the school bus, they go, they come back, they're tired, so yeah. they kind of need some time to themselves. Then they, it's time for them to go do their activities, taekwondo, ballet, whatever it is. Uh-huh. And then we get home, it's time to make dinner, and we're having dinner, then it's time to get ready for bed, and I say a quick prayer with them at night, and that's the day. And it's like, okay, lots of good things happening there, but sure. where was the time for relationship where was the time for those conversations that i want to have with them mm-hmm. we're too busy mm-hmm. and t- life is too f- it, we're just going at a pace that can't doesn't have the space for for those conversations so that it just was like i wasn't aware that that would be a problem until there we were in the midst of it sure yeah um and then there were just some things, seeing how my children were developing, things that I was like, you know what, I want to be the one walking through the challenges they're going to face. I want to be there to guide them through, you know, academically challenges they face, mm-hmm. socially challenges they face, questions of, that come up in themselves. And versus um, other influences that maybe might not have the resources to guide them to where they need to be, sure. namely their peers. <laughs> you know, um, what, what yeah. other seven-year-old can answer the deep questions of a seven-year-old in a way that's going to really guide them? And, yeah. of course, that the, those social engagements are so important and that social interaction. Mm-hmm. But I just realized I want to be part of Mm -hmm. their lives Mm -hmm. so it was really those two things an opportunity for relationship and true discipleship or walking alongside teaching them in doing life together rather than just telling them and saying okay now you go try to do that on your own wanting to do it with them right because they had the whole day on their own, like yeah. they had the whole day on their own, even if it was school bus and school yeah. and challenges, and yeah, they're they're still kind on their own, on with, their own with, with yeah with without you there yeah and they're and they're learning how to do it without you yeah and without your influence yeah 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 and so th- those two things I think and there were other factors as well just um, learning about. The presence of dyslexia in my children and that the challenges that that would ha- bring for them in, yeah. in a traditional uh, public school setting where there's just not the time or resources to nurture that mm-hmm. learning difference. And to no fault of anyone. It's just how do you how do you nurture individual needs when you've got thirty kids and a curriculum you've got to get through to meet state standards. You know, just it's just not the resources aren't there. So recognizing sort of the the special attention my kiddos would need in that process of learning to read and write and Mm -hmm. realizing, okay, I can do that where a, a teacher just can't. 
due to the lack of resources. So right. Yeah. So all of those began; those factors began to kind of grip my heart and change my attitude and my opinion. And then the the real clutch came when I was I sat down for coffee with a friend one day, who had. Uh, homeschooled her grown children and sort of mentored other homeschool moms over the last 20 years. And she just painted a picture of what homeschooling had been for her. Mm -hmm. And there were some key phrases that she said that so resonated for me. And suddenly it was just like, oh, okay, this is what I want to do. Mm -hmm. And it's been... That that conversation that day, I thank God regularly for it because it was the pivot point for me where I where I really said yes. My heart yes. said yes. And and the the time that I'm getting to have with my kids, I wouldn't trade it for anything. Mm-hmm. Getting to know them as people and who they are has been such a joy. And I think I would have missed it otherwise, just because of the pace we would have kept. Yeah. 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 So so what happened when you brought that home? When you brought that yeah. concept home and talked to to Tyson, Tyson and, and then talked to the kids? Yeah. Like Yeah. Tyson that was sort of one of my um my fleeces, if you will, to lay out and see, okay, should we move forward with this? How will Tyson respond? Because mm-hmm. he and I were both raised in public school and we'd always just sort of adopted the theory that you know sure there's there's things that public school can't provide but we'll we'll fill those gaps in and they'll survive it teaches them good you know how to survive the difficulties of peer pressure and all you know right and we're still there for them yeah yeah um but when I presented sort of what where my heart had changed and sort of this sense of calling I was feeling, Tyson was right there. Mm. And he he gave a resounding yes. And it was surprising to me because, again, it's just not the way we had been thinking. <laughs> but it's like his heart just was just open. And so, and he could see the value of it for our children specifically, you mm-hmm. know, learning more about them, seeing, yeah, I could see where this would be. It aligns with our family values and sure. the vision we have. Yeah. And and these are some crazy times we're living in. Every time is crazy for its own. That's every, right. You know, but uh, specifically the issues that our culture are facing, mm-hmm. I think we both agreed, yeah, let's take on this adventure. Well, and to have... To have you with that open heart mm-hmm. and wanting that, I mean, how how could he look at you and mm-hmm. your heart mm-hmm. and say, this woman is going to do the best for our kids mm-hmm. with, yeah. with with all the resources that you can have and yeah. the passion? Yeah. 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 And I think we both realize, like, nobody loves these kids as much as we do. As I mean, there are wonderful teachers out there yes. who are incredible blessings. To the kids they are pouring themselves out to. And I just, oh, I appreciate them. And the the teachers I've gotten to know mm-hmm. personally, I just have such a deep admiration for the work they do. But the reality is nobody loves their own kids as much as their parents. You know, so if 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 the opportunity is there for us to be the ones pouring into them every day, let's take that opportunity. Right. Because yeah. you because you can and that's the best for them. Yeah, 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 
Yeah. And then the kids, you know, they were they were so open to it. They're they're just they're pretty special people. Mm-hmm. They they are very open hearted, open minded, really willing to to try anything and I think that helped. That's it, incredible at that age. I know. And um my son, I think, was a little bit sad to leave his friends. Oh, sure. You know, he'd made yeah. friends, but he, he, we assured him, like, oh, buddy, we'll nurture the friendships that are important to you, and, and that will be something we're very intentional about, nurturing the friendships in your life. And then my daughter was very sad to miss out on all the parties that they would have at school. But she didn't understand, because she was wrapping up her kindergarten year. And I tried to help her understand, like, kindergarten is the year of magic. Like, especially the kindergarten teacher she had Mm -hmm. just made school magical. Uh And I assured her, like, moving forward, it will not be, you will not have all the parties that you've had this year. It won't be quite the well, same. But I have to say, hearing that concern for her, like, I just will miss all these parties. It put uh, pressure on me, I think, to create the same experience that she had had, that both of my kids had had in kindergarten, that, that just was so fun, and oh. so wonderful. I thought, okay, well, I have to make our homeschool experience <laughs> like that, or, or it's not going to compare, it's not going to measure up. And so I put a lot of pressure on myself to make our homeschool experience like that, and that was not sustainable. I learned uh, last year trying to, trying to be the kindergarten teacher mm. that they had for them mm-hmm. uh, was not sustainable for okay. me. Uh-huh. And, uh-huh. And had to kind of learn that the hard way. Do you modify some things? Yeah, <laughs> yes, yes. And simplified and realized, like, okay, I can just bring myself to this. Uh-huh. And my kids actually appreciate that much more than me trying to be Mrs. Padilla. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. 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 Wow. So their transition was smooth. And, and I regularly check in with them, like, hey, how how are you feeling about this? Do you, do you miss public school? And, and they've adapted to our life. They, they agree that, no, we like this. It's where we want to be. Yeah. And Tyson and I always want to be open to their experience and what they're feeling about it and reevaluate mm-hmm. as the years go by what, what is truly best for them. Mm-hmm. So just so, holding everything open-handed. Yeah. Yeah. So that was the first year. Last year was our first full year with okay. the both of them. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And so coming into this year, we're going to do it again. Yeah. Yeah. And like like I said, I, I had set some pretty high expectations mm-hmm. for what it should look like last year. But, and I, I found as I've. I've found as I'm preparing for this year, I almost have a little PTSD, I think, oh. from the beginning of last yeah. year where I came in just full force, expectations so high, and sort of had to, you know, let myself down in a lot uh-huh. of ways and, and realize that's not going to work for us and reshaping our days and being willing to let go of some of those expectations. So the... But this year, it's like, okay, let's let's learn from last year. Come in with a little bit more of a realistic view. Uh-huh. We can add things as, as we have 
the space and capacity for them, but let's start with the bar a little lower. <laughs> okay. Um, well, and, and, a, and a lot of people, <clears throat> a lot of parents are homeschooling. Yeah, yeah. But one of the things that you said was, I'm not, in the, in, in the pre-beginning, mm-hmm. you know, like, that's not what I do, that's not where I came from. Yeah. I'm, I'm not. So just a little bit, what did you... What did you have to do? Where were the, where did you find the resources? Were they hard to find to be able oh, to do yeah. this? Oh my goodness, Kate! It's been incredible. Just the abundance of resources, and it, it and it just showed me like any time we choose to step out in faith in something in an unknown territory where there's a sense of calling, like you know you have to do this, mm-hmm. but you're just have no idea what you're doing. The abundance of resources that that come. My husband uses the analogy all the time of the Indiana Jones. What is I? I think it's the Raiders of the Lost Ark. I, okay. I, I'm not up and up on all the Indiana Jones, but it's the one where he's. I think he's going for the the cup or something, and he has to step out into what he thinks is just this endless abyss right but but when he steps out this big stone pillar appears <sighs> you have to watch that scene and i'll and, go back and find and that I, i'm not sure which one it is again okay. it's the one with the the cup that he's seeking the the holy grail the holy grail the holy grail yeah. Yeah. Um, but that analogy is just so perfect because that and that's how it felt just stepping out into homeschooling and this arena that I had no idea what I was doing and like the the first step I took there was such support so many resources through just friends who have been on this journey for years ahead of me and then we joined a local co-op a homeschooling co-op here in town that Last year, there were like 60 families of just moms and dads and kids who have been walking this out longer than I have. So I would just bring a list of questions every week. And and there were people at all, you know, all phases, people who have high schoolers who homeschooled the whole way through, Uh other moms who were just getting going. So that was such a resource. And then there's... There's just incredible authors writing about homeschooling, and, and it's mm-hmm. it, it's overwhelming, all the different approaches. And they uh-huh. say there's as many different ways to homeschool as there are homeschool families. Okay. There's, there's so many. It, it's so unique to you and your family. And truly embracing that has, I think, been the, the biggest challenge of, of the last year, uh-huh. just accepting that reality that we really can make this our own it doesn't have to look any one way yes and yes it's almost easier to step into some kind of structure and be able to check off boxes Uh, mm -hmm. you know and Mm -hmm. say okay i know i'm doing this right because these boxes have been checked (laughs) and therefore these are the results i'm gonna get in my children but it's just not that way and nothing of faith ever is yeah oh my gosh what a growth what homes like family schooling yeah I mean you you guys are doing yeah a family and I have to say I've been surprised by the delight it it has been to learn with my kids whether it's you know 
teaching them how to decode words. And maybe I learned that in school and I don't remember it. Uh-huh. I wasn't, you know, paying attention. But learning how to read <laughs> with my children. Right. And I'm like, there there actually is a method to the madness of the English language. And there there are some some rules here that, that apply to words as you're decoding them. And I didn't know that. Yes. Or learning parts about history that, that I just was never cued into. But mm-hmm. learning them afresh with my kids and seeing the things that catch their attention. And, mm-hmm. and learn relearning things as an adult with a little more perspective. It's been really fun. Oh, yes. Yeah. 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 I can see that. Yeah. And it sounds fabulous. Yeah. 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 So it's been a surprising joy. Oh, nice. Um, yeah. And I, I, I'm just thankful, again, thankful for the shift that happened that kind of gave me that courage to step out. Yeah. 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 And you must have had that in you, right? That's, that's part of your... Mm. Uh, value system, part mm-hmm. of, part of your heart, your soul, mm-hmm. that that you could do that, mm-hmm. that, you, that that you would want to, mm-hmm. right? Everybody doesn't have that, true, and and they have, you know, they have other areas. But to be able to say, when you had that pivotal conversation, mm-hmm. it was like, oh yeah, mm-hmm. that is me. Mm-hmm. That is how I want our family to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, really yeah. big. Yeah. Mm. I agree. Nice. Oh, yes. Okay, well, um, I'm wondering if we could also, this has been so good, I know. hearing where you are and about the kids, and, mm-hmm. you know, and I've watched them a little tiny bit. Um, can you take us back? Like and talk a little bit about about where you were um, somewhere in childhood and maybe what was there and did you have did you did you have a time when you as you were learning and growing and figuring these things out when you were in your family if you were rebelish as a lot of us are at at, at those early ages. Did you kind of know what you wanted? Like mm. like somewhere in you, maybe I don't know if there's words to it, but mm. but what but what what was it like back then? Hmm. When you when you were your kids age? Mhm. Hmm. Good question. So as a child and I feel free to to use some of these terms only because my parents and I have done a lot of, we have had some amazing opportunities to sort of heal from and process my formative years and the, the things that were challenging for me. I have parents who have been so supportive mm-hmm. and engaged in acknowledging what was and and allowing us to kind of put some names to things mm-hmm. and heal from them. And I, I recognize not everybody has that opportunity it's true. to have that with their parents, and it's such a blessing. So 
that said, you know, my, I know I know my parents would agree with the statement that I was I was a bit of a parentified child. In our home, I kind of took on the role of managing everybody's emotions, making sure everyone was okay. From my perspective, they, my mom especially, just because my stepdad came into my life when I was about five, but from early on, my mom just was not in a place where she could be the stable one in the home. <laughs> uh-huh. And so somebody had to be. And, yes. And the, the way I interpreted that as a child was, okay, that's my job then. That's my role. And I will, I will do what it takes to make sure she's okay. And then when my stepdad came into the picture, there were some additional dynamics to that. But, but I sort of remained in that role. So part of that was being what I thought they needed me to be. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of the, the mindset I had all through my childhood, sort of scanning the room, uh-huh. figuring out what people needed me to be or what I thought they wanted me to be to make sure they were going to be okay and happy. And it, it wasn't just a total selflessness on my part you know that there was some some self-motivation there if I could make other people happy they would then in turn meet my needs Uh you know so it's a little (laughs) self-serving as well Uh, I don't want anyone to think wow what a a martyr (laughs) you know just she just made her life uh but so that was sort of my that's how I would describe my childhood just always always looking for what I needed to be mm-hmm. and in that sort of losing touch with myself and uh-huh. who I was who I am so it's not really been until my adult years until I'd say the last 10 years or so of my life that I've begun to understand a little bit more about what what do I want who am I what do I believe? Where do my boundaries lie? What is important to me? Yes. What do I have to say about that? So when you when yeah. you talk about being kind of that rebel in the sense of, you know, no, that's not who I that differentiation that is meant to happen as a as a, you know, tween and then a teenager separating yourself from your parents it didn't happen for me until I was well into my 30s <laughs> wow <laughs> Kendra that is so perfect mm. that is so perfect because and that's why I love talking with women and, and we talk about mm. these stories because a greater percentage of us mm-hmm. have something around that mm-hmm. that 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 we can say, well, that's how we were raised. We were we were girls, and we were raised to serve other people. Mm-hmm. That's that's kind of a harsh mm-hmm. and exaggerated mm-hmm. way of saying it. But mm-hmm. but that's how a lot of it was, mm-hmm. right or wrong. Right. It was. That's just. And so we so need to talk with each other. Yeah. Because because a, a lot of us have have come through that in our in and so sometimes it's in our thirties. Some. Some of us didn't do it till we were fifty. Right, 
Right. Right? Yeah. And we, and it's like, oh my God, I'm so, you know, I didn't, I didn't know about this. Right. And I, and I, and this is how I was and I'm, you know, so stupid or whatever those terms could be. Right. But we just need to talk with each other because, and normalize it. Yeah. It's, it's not that it's okay, because right. it's not okay. Right. But it's how it was. Right. And we need to feel good about ourselves that we, that we came out to tell our stories mm-hmm. and to hear other stories so that here we can move forward. Mm-hmm. Like people who haven't done it yet, it, let, you know, mm-hmm. find someone to talk about this with yeah. and, and you, yeah. can, you can find out who you are and what you want. Yeah. 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 So uh, that's wonderful. So go on about. So, so, so I don't know if you want to go back to even high school, college, but, but then twenties and thirties with what you did want, or or how or how you kind of came through mm-hmm. to be able to get to that point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's been I think there's been a number of factors that are that are helping me in my journey of of learning really who I am and who God has uniquely made me to be and sort of the what I have to contribute one has been having that community of people who who support that mm-hmm. you know and we do have to sometimes seek that out it's like you're saying our whether it's cultural factors whether it's family of origin factors whether it's just you know continuing to put ourselves in relationships that that keep us in those roles we've played mm-hmm. we we have to be intentional about finding people who will allow that space for us and to that exploration of finding ourselves to happen right and yeah i've been so blessed by like i said having having parental figures that have embraced that mm-hmm. a husband supports that for me mm-hmm. he is he is such a good friend in that way and then friends really good friends who have encouraged that process yeah. so the community of people I think has been helpful and then and I've, I've also you know had a lot of counseling mm-hmm. some really great therapists <laughs> and I've had so you know I've I've been part of a 12-step program and just being with other people who are committed to the journey of breaking out of the old and uh-huh. finding a new way of living. Uh-huh. I had a wonderful sponsor in a 12-step program who just who led by example in that and mm-hmm. was very influential in my life. Listening to podcasts right? of other people on that journey, hearing the, the ways people are learning to break free from old patterns of behavior or th- patterns of thought in the in the small ways you know it's not always these groundbreaking life altering no. go to a convention and have your you know it it's the the little moments where you start to recognize oh i have a a choice here how i want to respond to and this. the awareness when that comes yeah what whatever age that is the awareness of oh I I could have a choice. Yes. Or I do have a choice. Yes. That is such a big point. Yeah. A a big realization, yeah. I think. Yeah. Yeah. And it is in the little things and the and keep 
walking mm -hmm. that way and mm -hmm. knowing that you're the one looking at it mm -hmm. and can respond. Yeah, yeah. I do feel that learning that truth, that we have a choice how we're going to respond to the situations life brings to us, is so empowering. I, I'm actually taking some classes right now in biblical counseling to kind of work towards becoming a some in some way becoming a a, a counselor to uh -huh. people uh -huh. who just want help in that changing process yes. and one of the things that's been really profound that I've just been learning is is the the professor's statement was while our situation is significant you know the our past situations, our upbringing, the, the traumas that have happened in our lives, the situations we've had to live through, our current situation, the things coming at us in life, and the realities, the limitations of being human, all of that is so significant, but it, our situation is not determinative. It does not have to determine the way we go, or the mm -hmm. route that we take, or the end result, mm -hmm. the the choice that we make, the character that we develop. So it's significant but not determinative. And that's that's been impactful for me to think about. You know, oh. that we we ha we don't have control over the circumstances that we find ourselves in. In most cases, that's some true. things, you know, are just kind of na natural consequences of our choices. <laughs> yeah, and oops, right. should have seen that coming. But so much is out of our control, but we do have a choice how we respond. That's exactly right. And so, you know, back to my own growth process, I think I've, I've realized, like, I could, be, I could be a victim to a lot of things that have happened mm -hmm. in life. You know, there's, there's some trauma there. There's some real difficulties that have been there. Mm -hmm. And, but... I can stay in the role of the victim and kind of cling tightly to the ways that I found to survive the challenges of my formative years and growing up years and hold tight to those. Mm -hmm. Or I could recognize, you know what, these are no these ways that I've found to survive are not serving me well anymore. They're not um, helping me become the the wife, the mother, the friend, the person that I want to be. Yeah. So I can let these go and find a new way, find new ways of living life. Um, particularly in the in you know when it comes to unhealthy coping mechanisms, <laughs> you know, like yeah. those yeah. those things they they did help me survive, they, mm -hmm. and that's what they did. They they're survival mm -hmm. mechanisms mm -hmm. when life is just overwhelming, and they. But and we're but thankful for them. We're thankful for them, and we can, we can name that and mm -hmm. say thank you mm -hmm. for serving me. But this no longer That's right. is what I need. I have right. other resources now, and learning to take hold of those new resources and try yeah. them on and yeah. see what comes has been kind of oh, a big part beautiful. of it. Yeah, and that's you know we talk about raising kids, and it takes a village. Mm -hmm. But continuing on our path as adult women, mm. that takes a village too. Yeah, yeah. Because if you've come so far, 
and you've had these coping mechanisms to survive, you come to a point, sometimes you come to a point on your own with, do these really serve me? Mm-hmm. And, and, when, and when can you slow down and quiet down enough to hear that within you? Mm-hmm. And sometimes it takes a counselor, a therapist, mm-hmm. a friend, yeah. a village, a cup of coffee. Yeah. Sometimes it takes that to give you permission yeah. to look at yourself. Oh, that's what she's doing, and here's how she got to it. Mm. Oh, mm-hmm. I wonder if I could do that. I wonder how I feel about that. Mm-hmm. So I just think that's so important for all of us to get to that point of yeah. of recognizing, being in realization mm-hmm. of, our, of ourselves. Yes. Yes. And that's not something somebody else can do, but it's something that we... You know, the other thing is, we always say that we have everything we need on the inside. Mm. And we do. That's mm-hmm. true. Mm-hmm. But for example, I sometimes, and a lot, have to go to the outside and look at it mm. and bring it in externally. Mm-hmm. And then I can determine and I can say yes I do have this and I do want it. But I didn't always know that until I see it on the outside. Mm -hmm. Everybody's not like that, but some of us are. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. we need our village. We need people like you. Yes. You know, to tell stories and just in conversation so that that we can come to some of these points at whatever age. Yeah. Yeah. It's so true. And, and, And another thing I think is so important when... Like when we see something in someone else and we want that for ourselves or we we have those moments of recognizing, like, wow, this is not working for me anymore. And when we have those aha moments, to handle ourselves with compassion and grace. Because I know for me there's this tendency to want to, you know, to like... What was I thinking? Why have I been doing this all along when there's such a better way? And, you know, and to sort of beat myself up. Yes. But that is not helpful. <laughs> and, the, and to recognize, again, like, I've used the resources that I had, but I have more at my hand now. Mm-hmm. And to extend, I, I love the way... Uh, there's an author, Andy Kolber, that I've really gleaned a lot from in the last couple of years. And she wrote a book called Try Softer, which I love that. You know, right, the, yes. the opposite of trying harder. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, it means that we are, we are trying, we're exerting, but we're trying softer with ourselves. But she gives, oh, I lost my train of thought on what example she was giving that I was going to share. But anyway... Just the fact that when we recognize that we want to be something different than we are, Mm -hmm. handling ourselves, ah, this is what it was. Okay. You know, like if you were, if if your child or a friend came up to you and and was telling you, like, this is something I want to change in, or this is something I've learned, 
you would respond to that person with encouragement and kindness and excitement. But with ourselves, we just don't offer that same compassion and tenderness and enthusiasm and optimism. And and so to, to treat ourselves the way that we would treat another person I think goes a long way oh, in does. our ability to actually change because none of us are motivated by condemnation when we condemn ourselves and shame ourselves. Those are not things that motivate us to grow and flourish. That's right. They don't. And so the the way that we handle ourselves, I think, determines a lot of, of the growth that can happen. That's right. And sometimes... And, and that's hard because mm-hmm. that's not where a lot of us have yeah. come from. Yeah. But 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 doing that and we and we talk a lot about that treating ourselves as that four or five yeah. four or five year old. Yes. Like when when Piper comes up and even is in tantrum or crying or 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 wants something, right? You're not you're not gonna yell at her and no. you're not gonna say you shouldn't have done that. And yeah. That, um, yeah, but but coming at it yourself in the beginning, it's a little bit harder mm-hmm. to give yourself permission to treat yourself in that in that gentle, compassionate way you mm-hmm. would mm-hmm. a young child. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, or or a best friend. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That's we we need that. We need the support. That's what we need to yeah. keep working with. Yeah. Um, Putting, putting our arms around our own shoulders, putting our arms around our friend's shoulders mm-hmm. and staying in that compassion. Mm-hmm. It, it, yeah. Yeah. With where they are and what yeah. they want. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. That's beautiful. Thank you. So we've kind of covered a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Um. And it feels like you've been on this path of wisdom. Mm. Mm. And lots of things come up, lots of choices, lots of thought, thought thought-provoking, deep, deep heart Mm -hmm. considerations. Mm -hmm. And I'm so, again, I'm so thankful for you to share your stories because women, women need to hear. Yeah. All of our stories. Yeah. So you you've already talked about it again, but if you could if you could just kind of like in a summary a, a wisdom summary. Mm-hmm. If there was a woman, a young woman, mm-hmm. maybe with children. Mm-hmm. It was just like I don't I don't know. Here I am and I'm not quite sure what to do? Mm-hmm. That's pretty nebulous. But what, what what would you just start to say to mm-hmm. her? Mm. The f- what comes to mind is the results are not up to you. The results of whether it be, you know, your own 
career or or where where you end up in achieving what you want to achieve or your marriage or your children or uh, just a, anything you're putting your heart and soul into there are so many factors that that reveal that the results are just not in our hands but we get to choose how we're going to show up and give our our heart fully in the moment and take a risk do things that are a little bit scary and unknown because that practice is where faith is really built but it's in the little things. It's in the little things of just stepping into territory that you feel a little bit helpless and you don't know where the end result is going to land. But we find, I think, incredible wisdom and freedom when we don't worry ourselves with the things we just can't control. Yes. And there's a, a psalm, Psalm 131, in the Bible that I've just been committing to memory in the last couple of weeks. Uh-huh. And it's a short little psalm. It's like four lines. But it says, my heart is not proud. My eyes are not haughty, meaning, you know, looking down on other people. Mm-hmm. And I have not taken hold of that which is too great or difficult for me. So recognizing, like, I... I I'm choosing to not concern myself with the things that truly I have no control over. Mm-hmm. Trusting that God has that. He's mm-hmm. got that covered. Okay. And he could do a lot better job with it than I could. But what he has given me for the day is, is to show up and to love mm-hmm. and to be compassionate, to be gentle, and to be open-hearted and to be willing to learn. To learn from those around me. And that psalm goes on to say, like a weaned child, I have quieted and calmed my soul. And I, when, you know, when I first read that, I was like, huh, what does this mean? But if you think about a weaned child, <laughs> a, a non-weaned child, a, a nursing child mm-hmm. is, you know, frantic and, and is, kind of restless in the mother's arms, just needing something, just I need from you. And I, I am not at peace until you give me what I need. And But a weaned child has learned the art of contentment and can sit there on a mother's lap mm-hmm. and, and be content in and of itself, trusting that its needs will be met. Mm-hmm. There, that franticness has settled. Mm-hmm. And I just love that picture of the 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 wisdom that comes in contentedness yes. and knowing that I, I don't need to worry myself with things that I can't control, but I can show up today and and be open hearted, open minded, and humble to to what I have to learn today. That's a long-winded answer and roundabout and covers a lot of ground and is not very specific. (laughs) That is so beautiful Mm. and in itself is is succinct. 
Mm. It's a beautiful expression. Mm. And almost a container mm. mm-hmm. for us. Not a limiting container, mm-hmm. but yeah. But a but a heart a heart container of how to live. That's yeah. beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. But it's so good. There's I don't know that there's anything else left with what you've given us. <laughs> well, thank you. I am so grateful. Thank you. This has been so fabulous. Yeah. For you to share these stories with mm-hmm. with our audience. Mm-hmm. Thank and you. It's it, been a ours. privilege. Yes. Oh my yeah. gosh. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think I'm going to want to talk to you again. Oh, good. So I would happily do. Okay. It. <laughs> so for everyone yeah. listening, this has been delightful mm-hmm. and heart-filled mm-hmm. for me. And if you have any questions, be sure and write in the comments below. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think I think we'll leave it at that today with Kendra. Mm-hmm. This is just uh, open, heart, beautiful. Mm-hmm. Okay. Thank yes. you, Kendra. Thank you, Kay. All right. Take thank care. You. Thank you. Well, wasn't that awesome? An incredible young woman, solid and clear. A homeschool teacher, a cookie creator and baker. You know, I went to the market after Kendra and I chatted and I picked up three kinds of her of her out of this world cookies. I think that the white chocolate with nuts took the prize. So thanks for sitting with us today and I'll be back soon with more from the women in my Sandpoint community. Hi everyone, it's Kay from Our Empowered Voices and ShiftingIntoBalance.com. I wanna ask you a question. What if you had an empowered and extraordinary life? What would that look like? What would that feel like? Maybe you do have that awesome lifestyle. Either way, do you ever bump into obstacles that stop you? cause you to get stuck spinning your wheels for longer than you're comfortable with? Are you starting to criticize yourself? Maybe with some butt-kicking negative talk? Well, I can help. I'm your get-out-of-the-muck coach. Get back on track with clarity, consciousness, and confidence. Let me guide you back into your empowered self, back into living your extraordinary life the way that you want, the way that works for you. I invite you to send me a note to schedule a clarity discovery call about where you are and where you want to go. The call is completely complimentary, and I'd love to talk with you. So write to me at k at shiftingintobalance.com. And now, let's get back to today's call. Thanks for joining me on Our Empowered Voices, the Sandpoint series. I invite you to come back soon and hear more about Sandpoint and the incredible and down-to-earth people that live here. Until next time, lots of love and grace from me to you.